0: Hello, welcome to Eldritch Girl. Thirteenth is all rights reserved. This is part five, confusingly, chapter three. Um, It's a Wes-heavy chapter, so there's going to be some content warnings for male sexual arousal, fellatio, probably, drug use, alcohol, snuff films, gore, a very scrambled point of view because his brain is basically on coke most of the time coercion in terms of taking drugs um so he takes he takes drugs but he doesn't really want to and again some toxic family dynamics you've got a bit of a weird his girlfriend charlie is addicted to him as a person so you have that addiction depicted as well um, so just watch out for those things. If you listen to the bonus episode for October, that was Overexposure, a short prequel story. You can buy Overexposure as an ebook, and that is $1.99 from all ebook retailers, including Amazon and my Kofi shop. You can get it directly from me from there. Hopefully you'll enjoy this chapter, but here we go. Part five, chapter three. Chapter three. Dangerous liaisons. How characteristic of your perverse heart that longs only for what happens to be out of reach. Pierre A. F. Chaudelot de Laclos. Les liaisons dangereuses. Translated by Douglas Parmé. 12th of January. Wes hung around in the clean white sweep of the gallery's corridor, lurking with a glass of champagne to clear his head. His thoughts were thankfully back on the inside of his skull, although for some time he had been able to observe them externally, walk around them, view them from various angles like holograms, well-turned Uncle Barry, and his mood more or less had evened out. There were some memory blanks, but he wasn't sure if they were important. He could flog those little darlings for twice the price to those who appreciated their educational application. The exhibition was not his style. Manipulated photographs of carved-up faces, set alongside the doctored images of vintage Soviet propaganda and bleak, fragmented landscapes that played tricks with perspective and told stories in negative space, that wasn't for him. He had elected to wear his flashiest dress shirt, bold crimson silk with diamond buttons, a pocket square of wasp yellow, black skinny jeans that left nothing to the imagination and had probably cost more than the catering for this event. He knew he was being unkind there, but tiny things on sticks weren't his idea of a good time. He took three volivants from a passing plate with a vegan label, eyeing up the chorizo things on another circulating tray. He caught the eye of the server, a lithe, androgynous youth in crisp black and white whose complexion would have made Raphael throw down his brushes and weep and winked. Charlie was busy, deep red curls piled in a messy bun at the back of her head, "'tumbling out around the wide silver headband set with pearls and crystals. "'She was her competent professional self this afternoon, "'braving the January elements in a fake fur-trimmed Grecian gown of silver and gold, "'cheeks highlighted with bronzer and glitter. "'She shot him little glances now and again, "'but she was trapped by a semicircle of sparkling socialites.' Her eyelids were caked in gold, so much so that it was a wonder she could keep them open, the glittering powder bleeding into thick charcoal-black smears that hollowed her eye sockets out and streaked across to her temples. This was her fragile Icarus persona, of course, the woman scorched by a flight of fancy few had dared take. Of all the guests at this grand opening of her exhibition, Wes was, predictably, the only one who had turned up in colour. He loitered, conspicuous and loud, defying the snowflake aesthetic theme as a matter of principle. Are you with anyone? The scratchy voice at his elbow made him start, nearly spilling the champagne. He popped a volivant into his mouth, chewing to cover his surprise, and cast a glance at his accoster. "Shit me, Hughie," Wes sagged, backing up to the wall. Hugo straightened up, chiseled jaw and clean-cut grin earning him instant forgiveness. He dropped the false voice, returning to his soft, neutral-with-a-hint-of-culture drawl. "'Language?' Wes grinned back and looked Hugo up and down. His suit and tie were rumpled as if he'd only just got off the train. There was something about him, some unspoken absence, that made him blend with Charlie's fractured landscape behind him. His broad shoulders were drawn up, but slightly stooped, like a broken crag, uncombed hair tussled and unruly, disarranged by the wind.' His smile wanted to be warm. The warmth was there, fighting, but it quivered into a cold, quiet death and slid into a worried frown. He had yet to divest himself of his old college scarf, but someone had taken his coat and furnished him with a champagne flute as well. Wes noted the pinched paleness of his cheeks, a pinkish tinge to the whites of his eyes. "'What are you doing here?' Hugo frowned, a deep crease wrinkling his broad forehead. "'Supporting Charlie, of course.' You're not meant to be back for a few days. Counting, are you? Wes offered him a voluvant and ate the other one. Always? Hugo sniggered like a naughty schoolboy over the soft ambient music, earning them both a stern glance from another guest. They like you to be quiet, Wes murmured as Hugo's shoulders shook, pure as a driven snow in here. His partner recovered himself. Quite the crowd. She's doing really well. Wes nodded in Charlie's direction, and gave Hugo a sidelong glance. How are you doing? There it was, the guilty tick, a slight twitch of his lips that jerked a single dimple in a single dimple in and out of existence. Oh, you know, could be worse. Hughie. Hugo drained his flute and took another one. Champagne's good at least. It's not a cash flow problem, is it? Hugo winced at the indelicacy. Wes cocked his eyebrow. If that's all, you only have to say. I hate to ask, but the rent's due, and I was was wondering. He faded away, leaving the question unformed and hanging between them. Hugo's father paid the rent for him every month, like well-oiled, well-heeled, greasy-palmed clockwork. The senior Mr Chalmondly, pronounced Chumley, of course, in the way that Featherstone Howe was pronounced Fanshaw, had never failed in this respect, although as far as Wes could tell, he'd failed in almost every other. Wes, on the other hand, happily lived in the penthouse and never paid for anything as a point of principle, but he'd intended the principle to be a fuck-you-very-much Mr Chumley senior, and not something that made Hugo this embarrassed. It was another reminder that Wes hadn't grown up in an environment where talking about money was crass, and as far as he could make out, crassness of any kind in Hugo's world was a failing akin to a televised national scandal. Give me a few days and I'll have the whole lot and use notes, Wes murmured back, and was rewarded with a bark of relieved laughter. Hugo seemed to shrink into himself as he regained control, tense and trembling. I wouldn't ask. No, I wouldn't ask, but I'm in a bit of a bind. I think I might need to move anyway. I'll, I'll talk to you about it later. Wes went cold, stomach turning to lead. For a moment he considered gripping him by the collar and kissing him hard, making him stare into his forgettable face and willing him to addiction, but that came and went with a fierce wave of fear and subsided. He couldn't do that to Hugo. What he'd done to Charlie was bad enough. Hugo cast off his gloom as Charlie approached, gliding on flat-soled golden sandals, and swept him into a fond embrace. "'Darling, you came!' They broke apart and Charlie caressed Hugo's cheek. You look dreadful. Oh, very nice. I mean it, you look cold and bored. No wonder lurking around him. She shot Wares a mischievous smile and took Hugo by the arm. You remember Justin, don't you? And Philip, I'm sure you do. She pulled him off into a knot of well-dressed people, adding his splash of business-like navy to their flurry of knitted grey and ice-blue satin. Wes shifted from leg to leg, wondering where the chorizo server had gone, but Charlie returned and passed him, brushing his hand as she swept down the corridor to the back offices. He followed at a languid pace, waiting for her to key in the code and let them through. As soon as he let the door click behind them, she turned, eyes glinting with their own savage shimmer beneath all the makeup, up and pushed herself against his chest. The ferocity of it took him aback. She had seemed so contained in the gallery, so professional, that he had missed the signs. He wondered, suddenly uneasy, how well she could hide them. Her voice came out in a greedy rasp. "'I need to see your face!' Wes swallowed. She was so slight these days, her dress billowing its long pleats around a frame that wasn't there, that he could push her off with a sharp breath. He stroked her cheek and tilted his chin so she could see. Charlie's mouth, certainly among her more talented parts, gaped in relief. He held her up as she stared at him, unblinking— barely allowing herself to breathe. Her eyes had been brighter once. He remembered them, a vivid forest green, brimming with life and adventure, but always viewing it from behind the safety of a lens. He'd only wanted to show her wonders, a life of adventure and pleasure. They were muted now, vacant. The utility knife scars across her eyelids and brow bone were faint but still there, "'covered with makeup, except for one thin line etched into her left eyebrow, "'dissecting it neatly in half. "'She blinked out of dry-eyed necessity. "'Her eyes lit up again, sparked into life by furious disappointment "'as his image was erased from her mind. "'For a moment she looked like the old Charlie. "'He kissed her, hard and long and deep and full of regret. "'She kissed him back, mouth as greedy as her eyes.' He broke the kiss after counting slowly to five in his head and turned half away from her, pushing her gently backwards. That's enough, he said, biting at the skin around his thumbnail and staring at the wall. Have you had a good day today? Of course. Her voice was as dull as her eyes, heavy as her joints. Sorry, baby, he said. Charlie didn't need to ask him what for. She shrugged. They won't miss me yet. Wes nodded, already unzipping his fly as she hitched her dress up and kneeled down. He turned, knowing someone else might need the office for something, knowing they could be seen through the strip of glass and the sturdy pine door. Normally that would have made it better, but he had a bizarre thought, rising out of nowhere, that Katie might show up after all and see them, and then she'd think that's what he was doing instead of coming to get her. Charlie started warming him up, but now his baby sister was in his head, staring at them through the glass. She can bloody well fuck off, he thought. But Ricky Porter and his cocky, casual phone call rang through his head again. She's not coming. Charlie's mouth was warm and teasing, but he made the mistake of closing his eyes. The thought burst violently into the moment, Katie, watching, furious, opening her mouth in a silent scream and bearing millions of bloody, pointed teeth. He flinched, pushing Charlie off. Don't. It's all right. He shook his head, covering his face with one hand and zipped himself up with the other. You don't have to. I shouldn't. Not right now. Go and enjoy your party. I was trying to enjoy my party. Charlie snapped, recovering. She got to her feet and he saw her glare through his fingers. Where's your mask, anyway? Don't say you forgot it. He had. He shook his head. It slipped my mind, that's all. Anyway, we're not here very long and Hugo knows better than to look for long. Oh, yeah, of course he does. He's living with a cautionary tale. Charlie brushed past him, yanking the door open. What's the matter with you? What? Nothing. It's not you. Oh, good. She turned a cold smile on him, poisoned sweet. I'm so glad it's not me. Are you all right? The terrible feeling he had missed something important was stalking him, looming out of the shadows. He rubbed the back of his neck, checking his fly. Charlie's forced smile fluttered. Where were you last night? What? Caught out, he shook his head. Nowhere? We were supposed to video chat. You know I need you to be there. Shit. I didn't have signal. You went out. No, not for long. You know I need you, Wes. You promised me. You were the one who set the time. You said you'd always answer. I'd never go longer than 48 hours without seeing you. You promised. Wes faltered, belly awash with cold. Shit. Baby, I'm so sorry. I didn't think it had been that long. I didn't mean to go out last night. It wasn't planned or anything. She looked at him with disgust. Do you know, I wasn't going to say anything. I wasn't going to bring it up here, now, but you. You're full of shit, Wesley. It's not you. I'm not. I'm not going anywhere. Is that what. Charlie shook her head, silencing him. The sad vacancy stole back over her face. Bloody Uncle Barry. She knew he wasn't leaving, surely. That she was a fixture in his life was something he'd resigned himself to years ago, something intertwined with his own identity that would follow him through his life like a national insurance number. He pulled her into a hug and stroked the fur draped down her back in a plunging V. Baby, I'm a prick. I'm sorry. I'd never not turn up. I honestly, honestly forgot about last night. There was something that came up and it it upset me and I didn't want it to bother you and I should have been there to take your call or be somewhere with Signal and I wasn't. And I'm an arsehole and I've never done it before, have I? And I'll never do it again. You haven't been yourself for months. We'll talk about it later. She pulled away, stealing glances at his face as he shifted his palm across it, trying to block her view. He should have brought his mask. It wasn't fair. How could he have forgotten? Okay. She turned her back on him. Why don't you go home? It wasn't a suggestion. You don't like these things anyway. Wes raked a hand through his hair, sick at the thought of an impending conversation. Hugo's loud, boyish laugh burst over the gentle music and highbrow chatter, and that settled it. He strode off to find his coat and slip the chorizo server his number for the hell of it and left Charlie to deal with her public and whatever mess Hugo was about to get himself into on too much champagne and too little food. Something Ricky had said once, a long time ago, chased him out into the street. You're a bloody coward. He couldn't remember the context, didn't need to. It would have been one of the many rows they'd had growing up, until eventually Ricky's attitude had smouldered into resigned resentment, and his own into cold, disinterested disdain. Yeah, well, you're a fucking sociopath. Wes thrust his hands into his pockets and ducked his head down against a gust of smoky wind, finding the cigarettes from the night before. He'd have to get rid of those before he got home. Quitting was another thing he'd promised Charlie he'd do, along with renouncing meat and not screwing his relatives.' His phone buzzed in his pocket, but he ignored it. He was aware of cars crawling along and people jostling him as he stalked towards his own Italian sports car, impractical in the ice and snow, but unforgettable either at speed or at a standstill. He was vaguely aware of a car with tinted windows creeping along the curb, but there were plenty of those. He didn't think anything of it until his phone buzzed again, insistent. Wes paused to dig it out of his pocket, and the car paused too. It was his sister Lucy, she of the impeccable timing. Wes, get in the car! His sister's voice was artificially cultured, bubbly and bright, with a slight Essex twang she'd picked up since her relocation to glamorous Romford. Wes groaned. What? We said we'd pick you up. Have you forgotten all about us? He couldn't even remember speaking to his sister in the last month, except for sending dirty memes on the sibling group chat. What? It's Charlie's thing today. I'm just going home. I'm not up for it right now. Whatever it is. Lucy's voice went up a fraction, scraping over his brain. You promised you'd hang out with us. We never see you. We got tickets and everything. Uncle David doesn't just hand those out, you know. Sasha's shows are so good. Wes needed more than a glass of champagne and three vegan volivants for this. Sasha? Cousin Sasha? She's in the. um... He stumbled over the phrase "snuff film industry," mindful that he was in the middle of the street. I really don't think you promised. Lucy was dangerously close to a breakdown. Where stuck down a side street and tucked himself in a doorway. Yeah, maybe hanging out, sure, but not not for watching Sasha off someone on camera. I bloody didn't. When did I? Unbelievable. What's your problem? Wes cursed his family from branch to rotten root, guilt roiling up as he thought of Charlie and Hugo. He fumbled for his cigarettes. Snuff films aren't fucking vegan, Lucy. That's my my fucking problem, all right? He nearly dropped the packet and struggled to get one out. Stop bitching and get in the car. Lucy hung up. Wes gave up for a second and thrust the packet back in his pocket. He ducked out of the doorway, determined to stride off in the opposite direction, but Uncle David's boys had caught up with him. It wasn't Mr Bill this time. Wes didn't bother to register the details, apart from the fact they were built like rugby prop forwards and would make about three of him each. Fucking hell. They escorted him to the waiting car and bundled him into the back seat before blindfolding him. Playing this game, are we? he asked, not expecting a response, but got a pair of soft giggles he knew well. His heart sank. Girls, for fuck's sake. Now you know the rules. No social media, no tracking on your phone. They'll take them anyway. Wes struggled against the seatbelt, but that earned him the cold metallic click of cuffs around his wrists. Oh, come on. Once you're in, you're in. Lucy sounded entirely unconcerned. I can't believe you'd rather be with your little people pets than hanging out with us. That's a bit hurtful. Wes ground his molars. I'm not avoiding you, Luce. I, I'd i rather do something like a barbecue or a, a fucking boat ride. Not Now, nothing against it. Nothing against Sasha, obviously. And I'm sure these gents in here are fine, upstanding blokes doing their day job, right? I mean, I kneecap people back in the day. Who hasn't? He stopped himself and pulled it back. All I'm saying is, I prefer it if you listened and respected. Oh, do shut up, Wesley. That was Kirsty, Lucy's inseparable, identical triplet not physically inseparable, unless they wanted to be. The nature of their changes meant they were largely human passing, even with all their clothes off, except for a matching pink, lightly puckered line running down one side. Dave, the absent triplet, had one on the right, although his changes had also accelerated his second puberty and corrected what he termed his minor birth fuck-up, while Kirsty's was on the left. Lucy, the middle triplet, had two, right and left. Both of hers opened up with greedy little teeth and clamped onto the other triplets' identical gashes with a sucking bite that made three into one. Wes didn't want to picture the two of them if they were stuck together at the moment. "'Where's Dave?' "'Being boring,' Kirsty sounded jealous. Wes guessed this meant Dave was spending the day with Cousin Alice. "'I said I'd be back early,' he said, wriggling in his seat. "'I'm meant to be being boring too these days.' "'It's not long!' This was meant to be a lovely day out, and nearly everyone's let me down, and now even you're backing out, and the whole point of this was to spend a bit of quality time with my big brother. Lucy could turn the waterworks on and off like a tap, and it was awful when she pouted. He couldn't see her through the folds of material, but her voice was enough. The triplets had been the spoiled youngest batch by default, since Katie, by popular consensus, was an accident of birth, a homicidal family failsafe, and therefore didn't count as an actual sibling. It was easier to think of her that way than to get attached to someone who was probably going to kill you and half the people you cared about. Wes groaned inwardly. Loose. He felt her flutter closer, all fake feathers and wafts of her trademark perfume tickling his cheek and nose, cousin Layla's brand, and put her head on his shoulder. Please, Wes, don't spoil it. I'm trying to do something nice. Something nice. Something forced. Something ugly. All the same, ain't it, as long as one of us is having fun. Wes nodded, glum, taking stock of the situation. He was blindfolded and cuffed in the back of an unknown car, being driven fuck-knows-where to watch a live snuff film by some dodgy blokes who'd do far worse to you off-camera than Sasha would do to you in any of her flicks if they were being paid enough. "'Go in my top pocket,' he said to Lucy. Small, cold fingers slipped down his chest against the silk as Lucy found the packet left over from the previous night. "'Uncle Barry's latest magic pills,' he said, by way of explanation. "'Don't have a street name yet, but I call him Silver Lining. "'Pretty, ain't eh, they?" "'He heard the packet crackle as Lucy inspected them. "'They're so pretty!' Kirsty must have leaned in. He heard the seat creak. "'Ooh, cute!' "'Dipped him in edible glitter. "'He raised his voice, hoping to pick the interest of the burly men, "'not sure how many of them there were. "'They'll get you high enough to see the arsehole of God.' Lucy gave a scandalised squeal. You're so dirty. She elbowed him as the car turned a corner. All right, let's see. Open wide. No, you have them. You go first. The packet crackled. Open. Wes could almost see his cosy future crumbling, slipping through his fingers and out of reach for forever. The small round pill was being pressed against his lips. He let her put it in his mouth, sugar-coated like a painkiller. He contemplated only pretending to swallow, but made the mistake of hesitating. The car went over a speed bump and he swallowed before he choked. Well, shit. Our soul of God it was, then. so thank you for listening um, and next week as well we're going to be introduced to Sasha Shaw who has a background cameo role in 13th um, and from that uh, she ended up having her own spin-off series so <laughs> if you like slashers like um, uh, Funhouse Massacre if you <laughs> if you if <laughs> you Um, (laughs) if you like uh, slashes with like a snuff film theme um, but you also like rom-coms and you're in the middle of that like really weird Venn diagram (laughs) then um, if you want like two really deranged people like totally falling in love with each other in a really really twisted not very healthy kind of way this is the series for you so that's Eldritch Girls Just Wanna Have Fun. So I'm going to be uh, maybe giving you some snippets of that as bonus material. You'll be getting uh, my co-writer back on as well, Ezra Arndt, um, who came on last season as Nita Pan um, before their author rebrand. Um, So you can have a little listen to their interview that I've already got up on the podcast, Um, but hopefully they'll be coming back for another round as well with me and talking about uh, monstrous love monstrous love interests and all sorts of other delicious things I've got some really cool bonuses as well coming up there's some really fun author interviews so stay tuned for those as well the transcripts go up on the blog and on my kofi if you want to join my kofi as a monthly membership you can so for three pounds you get access to my discord server with the private channels enabled or you get all the exclusive stuff you get access to all my exclusive ko posts you also get little behind the scenes snippets and things like that as well um so if you want to join at the higher tier which is five pound per month In addition to all of that, you also get handwritten postcards and stickers and actual, like, merchandise getting sent to you. So the £5 kind of covers your post and packaging for that. Last month in September, they got some stickers and some postcards with some amazing artwork on by Therese, who did Art of Sasha and Tosh, who are the main characters in Eldritch Girls Just Wanna Have Fun. Uh, Tosh is Ezra Arndt's original character and they write his perspective and um, I write Sasha obviously yeah so if you do want to join in uh, the fun you can join in at that tier so just go to ko-fi.com forward slash cmrosens I hope you've enjoyed the bonus episode for this month Um, I hope you enjoy the bonus episodes coming up in November I will see you next week happy spooky season bye now